Are we willing as Christians to speak biblical truth into this cancel culture, even when it means we might be uncomfortable or suffer for that truth? The answer to that question might well determine whether we remain a free society. We're going to hear a compelling talk on that subject from Kelly Shackelford, whose Religious Liberty Law Group recently won a key victory at the Supreme Court. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman. Well, we've got a special treat for our listeners today. We're going to share the first of a two-part series from Kelly Shackelford, president of First Liberty, one of the most successful religious liberty law groups in the nation. His organization, which is based in Texas, has won something like seven victories at the Supreme Court level. I mean, that is pretty incredible. They are on the front lines of safeguarding our freedoms in America. And he recently gave an exclusive update to the Family Foundation and its supporters during a reception we hosted in Virginia Beach. In today's portion of the talk, you'll hear him share why it's important to defend religious freedoms, because if we lose those freedoms, we pretty much lose all the other rights. But before we begin, I just have to give a little disclaimer. This event was held at a marina outside under a tent, so there are some places where the audio is a little challenging with some airplanes flying over and things like that. But if you can forgive those things, you will find this talk not only encouraging to your heart, but inspiring to live courageously as well. Without further ado, let's hear from Kelly Shackelford. Why should you care about religious freedom? Now, people tend to know, well, I care because I'm a person of faith and I want to be able to live up my faith. It's so much bigger than that. I don't know how many of you have read this book uh, that came out a year or so ago called Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreher. It's a great book um, that if you wonder, if you think everything's crazy right now and you wonder why, you read the book in 200 pages, it'll make sense to you. Um, he interviews the people from all the former communist countries that lived through, uh, you know, how difficult that is. And, of course, the question is... Um, you know, what you do about this. Well, the interesting thing is, as you look at the, the history, every country, when Marxism comes in, religious freedom and the church has to be removed. Okay? This is not a deal where Marxism exists along with the church. Okay? So, this is a battle that is not just about your ability to share your faith. It's about whether incredible evil takes over and murders and deaths in the millions occur in your country, if you look at history. Um, and it's about losing all of your freedoms. So this is a really important... Now, the question that is answered in the book is, what do you do about it? And Alexander Solzhenitsyn's last essay, before he was banned from the Soviet Union, was Live Not By Lies. And that was, he, what he said is, these totalitarian regimes exist because everybody goes along with the lies. Because if they don't, they suffer. And he said, but if enough people, not a majority, just enough people will stand and speak the truth, it collapses. And he tells the story of country after country after country of how people as young as 16 will stand up and speak the truth and how it leads to a wave in all these countries, communism is overthrown. And, I mean, gosh, do you think we're living through that? How many people do you think know that there's a difference between a male and a female? Okay? But how many people are willing to stand up and say that when it costs them? And that's the battle we're in. So that being the case, and I can give you an example I gave with the pastors this morning. I have this happen to me all the time. People will come to me from Eastern European countries, and they'll say, I saw this happen in my country. And I'm thinking of a guy right now by the name of Peter Kalkas. He said, I'm, I was dual citizen of the United States and Czechoslovakia. 
He said, I watched them take down the religious symbols and within two weeks, we all lost our political freedoms. And he handed me a check for $5,000 and he said, I'm gonna be supporting you from now on. He said, I'm not a person of faith. He said, but I want my freedom. And so every month, every two months or so, we get a check from Peter Kalkas. He's not a believer. He just wants freedom. He understands that religious freedom is, is our first freedom for a reason. Our founders called that because they realized you lose this one, you lose all of them. And the best reason for that I can explain, because some people don't, don't understand why that's true, the one thing that a totalitarian regime cannot allow are citizens who hold an allegiance to one higher than the government. So whenever that type of an oppression comes in, the first flashpoint will always be religious freedom. And if you lose there, you'll lose all your freedoms. And so that being the case, how are we doing? Well, I probably don't have to convince you, we're in a war over religious freedom right now, right? Uh, 13 years ago, we had 48 cases. Last year, we had over 700. Okay, so the attacks are increasing across the country. And I don't have to go very far. I mean, let's look back at COVID. Okay, in COVID, all these mayors, governors, county commissioners got power they had never had. What was the flashpoint? It was religious freedom. Your, the liquor store was open, but your church couldn't be open. Now, to, please explain that one to me. Home Depot is okay, but not your church for an hour. Home Depot every day, people walking up and next to each other. Okay, the flash, and we knew this was going to be the case. So we we realized this is going to be hard. There's no precedent in the history of our country on the First Amendment in a pandemic. There, if you're a judge, a federal judge, we know we're going to be walking into court and saying, yeah, we know on this side there's a governor that says he's trying to save 20 million people's lives, but on the other side we've got a pastor who wants to be open an hour on Sunday. I mean, if you're going to err as the judge, you think, well, I think I'll make my mistake on the side of saving 20 million people's lives. So we knew this could be very dangerous in setting a bad precedent. We had to get the right case, so we prayed and prayed. We had hundreds of churches and synagogues calling us, and finally, almost well, a little more than two years ago, we got the call, and it was from On Fire Christian Church. I think we had a picture, yeah. On Fire Christian Church. Um, they wanted to have Easter together, but they wanted to be safe. And so they came up with the idea of driving in their automobiles to the church parking lot. The minister would speak over a radio frequency. And, you know, that would be a great way to be together. And I'm not a, a CDC expert. Of course, I don't know that the CDC is much of an expert either these days. But I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't pass the coronavirus from one automobile to another. So it's pretty safe. Yet the city told them they would be criminally prosecuted if they met in their church parking lot in their cars. So that was bad enough. Then the governor announced that they would be sending police officers on that Easter Sunday to every church. Any church with a car in the church parking lot would have their license plates written down and they would be visited at their home by police officers who would quarantine them for 14 days. And we said, okay, this is China. This is the case. Let's go. And on Good Friday, we filed for an emergency injunction in federal court. Got a judge by the name of Judge Justin Walker. Again, if you can read this opinion, just Google On Fire Christian Church. And he starts out the opinion saying, you know, this is like a dystopian novel. This is not the United States of America. I mean, you're criminalizing an Easter celebration. He said, this is irrational. It's unreasonable. It's unconstitutional. And this will never happen as long as I'm a federal judge in the United States of America. 
and he wrote an opinion talking about how this country is built on religious freedom. And you got to remember, at the time, the images we were seeing was like a guy throwing a baseball with his son in the park, being handcuffed for being in the park. The guy coming off the beach all by himself in California, being arrested, you know, for surfing by himself on the beach. And people were wondering, have we lost our constitution? Has it been suspended? And I, I can't tell you how many people contacted me, you know, who were libertarian, who were not, not people of faith at all, and they said, thank you. They said, and we called this the second shot heard around the world, because it sent the signal that, yes, in this country, we're a constitutional republic, and the Constitution is in place, and the government can't do whatever it wants. It has to follow the Constitution. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. Our second case was Tabernacle Baptist Church. We picked a church in a rural community, very low COVID cases, large facility with plenty of room for social distancing. And again, it was illegal for the church to meet for an hour safely. But it was fine to go to the gambling parlor, to go to the Home Depot, to go to the Walmart, to go, you name it, right? This is nonsense. When we got into court with the governor's lawyers, we said, please tell us why COVID is more dangerous in the church. And they had no answer. Well, by the time we were finished, not only had we won an injunction on behalf of the church, but uh, Daniel Cameron, the African-American attorney general, a great guy, joined us suing his own governor. And we ended up with a statewide injunction protecting every Every church, every synagogue, every house of worship with the right to open up like every other business in the state. Now, we won every COVID case we had, but unfortunately, none of the cases across the country made it to the Supreme Court. We only had emergency motions, no major merits cases. So there's still no precedent that really is binding nationwide, and we're still in a battle over this. But unfortunately, these, these battles aren't just in COVID. I mean, we have churches. We're representing uh, Canaan Baptist. I think we got a picture of Canaan Baptist Church. This is a small African-American church. Um, the city came to them and said, we're going to take your property. And they said, what do you mean? We're going to build our sanctuary on that property. He said, yeah, we want it for a fire station. They said, dude, there's a fire station across the street. They said, yeah, but we like your property better. They figured they don't have a lot of money. What are they going to do? Well, after we brought in some of the top litigators in the country, the city decided maybe they didn't want their property anymore. And uh, uh, kind of cool, about six months ago, we got a call from the pastor saying they were naming the new facility after the volunteer attorneys who donated their time. Uh, and they're now starting to build their facility. But, I mean, we're having to fight over whether churches, I think we got synagogue pictures uh, uh, as well as the next one. We've got churches and synagogues literally across the country that we're having to represent just for their right to be a church or synagogue. I mean, you wouldn't even believe the facts. Not stuff we used to have to fight. The attacks are on our schools, right? I mean, I could tell you endless cases. Uh, probably a great one is uh, Elizabeth Turner because we're going to see a lot of these coming up soon. Last year, Elizabeth Turner was valedictorian. What does a valedictory mean? Valedictory address means personal farewell. We've all heard personal speeches, political speeches, all because it's their right. They've earned the right to give the speech. Well, she wanted to do something that they said was inappropriate. Well, what was she going to do? She was going to mention God and Jesus as what is important to her. 
and they told her she couldn't do that. Well, she's the valedictorian. She's smart. Okay? She said, I think there's a problem with this. So she called us. And by the time we were done, not only did she give her speech and mention God and Jesus, but it was carried, you know, instead of just her local community, Fox News carried it, and it reached a lot more people than she expect, expected in the beginning. But just think of what kids are having to go through just for their basic constitutional rights. They're having to fight for these. Um, the military. We have a whole division we had to create just for the military. Just for chap We've had chaplain case after chaplain case. We've won every one of them, but they try to throw these guys in their careers, take away their pensions. Why? Because they like mention the Bible. Because they follow Scripture. Um, and of course, probably the biggest one, you, most of you probably heard of this case that we have right now, is the 35 Navy SEALs we're representing. These are the best of the best. These are 350 years of combat service, some of them suffering from PTSD and other things because of what they've done for our country. And they've come to these people and th these are all individuals, these 35, with different religious backgrounds who have an objection to taking the vaccine. And there is a federal law that allows those in the military to ask for a religious accommodation. Because they ask for what was their federal right, they're all being punished. Okay? One of them was on his way to, for PTSD treatment at the medical facility, and they called the facility and said, don't see him. Okay? Others have had their families threatened by the military. This is stuff that shouldn't happen to anybody, much less our most elite warriors who've given everything for our country. So we filed a lawsuit on behalf of those Navy SEALs. Uh, we immediately won an injunction. One of the first lines in the federal judge opinion was, um, there is no COVID exception to the United States Constitution. And we... <laughs> We proceeded to prove that what they were doing was illegal, was fraudulent, um, they're not respecting these, these uh, uh, troops' rights, and by the time we were done, we not only had an injunction, which we have in place now, and by the way, the federal government, there's you know, 25,000 Department of Justice lawyers, and they're throwing every one of them at us they can, uh, but we've won every appeal, every fight so far. We've got five or six different ones in this one case going on right now, but we've won every step of the way, so much so that the judge has granted a class action where we now have protection for every single person who serves in the Navy. It's over 2,000 families. And we just filed last week against the Air Force. We're going to try to do the same thing there. I mean, we've got about 20,000 military families who they're all in the process of what they call separating, meaning they're, they're destroying their careers, they're taking away their pensions, they're possibly not even giving them an honorable discharge. It's really, it's really obscene, the sort of uh, purge that they're trying to do on people of faith. And none of their commanders are in favor of this. This is all coming from Washington, D.C. And we've got to win this. Uh, I was with General Jerry Boykin, who a lot of you know, and he said this is destroying our military because these military families that go generation to generation, they're telling their kids now, do not go in the military because we don't know what's going to happen to you. We don't know how you're going to be treated. If your commander doesn't have your back, then you're not going to go. And so this is, and he, Jerry turned to me a couple of months ago. He said, your case might save our military. We have got to win for those. They can't fight this themselves. We've got to fight for them, and that's what we're doing. But so far, so good. Sadly, for the sake of time, we'll have to stop Kelly right there. But next week, we'll pick it up again when he shares about what's happening with the freedom to share the gospel in public places and religious freedoms in our schools. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. 
visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.